My sermon title today is Giving Thanks to Jesus. But before we get started, please join me in prayer. Uh, Dear Heavenly Father, this morning we come to worship and exalt your Son, Jesus. I pray that you bless our time together and for the truth to be spoken this morning so that you will be glorified. Thank you so much for your son, Jesus, for saving us. Thank you so much for your word, the Bible. Please place me to the side and allow your spirit to take over. Please use me as your mouthpiece. I pray that you will open our ears, clear our minds, and soften our hearts so that we will experience your truth your love, and your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. I don't know if you guys can tell, but by looking at my body, I ran two marathons in my life. I think we have a picture to prove it. So now it's not Photoshop. It was a thinner version of me. That was taken in uh, 2015. I ran the marathon with uh, Brother Nelson, uh, Steve, Joy and Junko. But I remember the first time I ran uh, the marathon the year prior, 2014. I trained really hard. The first 20 miles, they were really fun. But it's that last 6.2 miles that's a killer. And around mile 22, I hit the wall. My body just shut down. Um, I was cramping up. I was uh, in a bad place mentally. I was thinking, man, running's dumb. <laughs> this marathon is stupid. Why am I even doing this? This is crazy. Why am I even doing this? And then I noticed there was this guy who was running right next to me. He had a big smile on his face, smiling ear to ear. It wasn't Nelson or Steve, some other guy. And I was running along with him, and he was actually annoying me because he was so happy, and I was in a bad place. And we ran to the water station, and he grabs his drink. He was thanking all the volunteers, like, thank you so much for being here, especially early Sunday morning. And I'm like, where's the Gatorade? Where's the power bar? I'm super hungry. And we ran along, and then he was high-fiving the police officers and thanking them for blocking traffic. And we get to an area where people were holding signs, and one sign was saying, you're almost there. And that guy gave him a high-five, and I'm like, we're not almost there. Stop torturing me. We have three more miles to go. (laughs) And while we're running, I really wanted to pass this guy up, but I was just too tired. But I didn't stop because I really wanted to beat this guy. I'm pretty competitive. I really wanted to beat this guy. So we were running along. But at that moment, I felt the Holy Spirit speaking to me. I realized that I was in the same situation as him. We were in the same circumstances. We likely trained the same way. We probably ate the same diet. We were likely in the same physical shape. He had joy, and I didn't. Why? Because he had gratitude. 
He chose to give thanks. And in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, the Bible tells us, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. No matter if we feel good or tired, we're called to give thanks in all circumstances. This runner made up his mind to be thankful. Gratitude is a choice. He decided to be thankful throughout the race, and in return, his experience was better. From that moment, I saw firsthand how gratitude is a game changer. It impacts a person's heart and the people around them. Do you know in life, there are people that are in the same circumstances, same trials, same challenges, and yet they have more joy, more peace, more hope, because they choose to give thanks, to, an, to have an attitude of gratitude. So this morning, I want to share from Luke chapter 17. And this passage is about giving thanks to Jesus. So please take out your Bibles to Luke chapter 17, verse 11. And if you don't have your Bible, we have a sky Bible here for you. Or you could take out your iPhones. On the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, Were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. Wow, isn't that an incredible passage or what? Jesus is traveling to Jerusalem. He is traveling from Galilee and going through Samaria. Jews lived in Galilee and Samaritans live in Samaria. So you can write that, that, write that down in your notes. You can say you learned something. The Samaritans live in Samaria. The Jews and Samaritans did not like each other. In fact, they hated each other. Samaritans are considered half-breeds and, we were, and were despised by the Jews. They didn't eat together, they didn't shop together, they didn't live together, and they definitely did not worship together. They never wanted to be around each other unless they got leprosy, just like the ten lepers. Now these ten are living together in the same leper community. I want to point this out. Isn't it amazing that pain is a great equalizer? Pain and tragedy comes to us all, whether you're white, black, Hispanic, or Asian. Many times in our community, when things are going well, that is when our society is divided. But when pain, tragedy occurs, it brings people together. 
You see, this is where the lepers of the Jews and the Samaritans came together because of the common pain and anguish. They're together in this leper colony and Jesus is entering a village where the lepers are living on the outskirts of this village and they cry out to him. All 10 of the lepers had a common predicament. They had leprosy. And leprosy was a terrible, terrible disease. Today known as Hansen's disease. Physically, it was unimaginable. Extremely painful with lesions forming on the skin. And one day you might notice a small lesion on your body. Maybe on your ear. Maybe on your finger. Maybe on top of your nose. When you saw it, your stomach would just drop because you knew this might be it. And during biblical times, people believed that leprosy will eat your flesh alive. That was the destiny of the leper. It would spread and you would become a dead man walking. Leprosy will attack the nerves and turn the limbs numb with the disease wearing away the limbs. Not only was it a terrible physical condition, but it impacted them socially. People back then believed that leprosy was extremely contagious. There was an actual law that the leper had to stay six feet away from a healthy person. And they would have to shout out, unclean, 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 as a warning. If you're found to have leprosy, you're no longer able to live in your own home and be part of your community. The only option is for you to live outside of your town and to live with other lepers. So can you imagine what these 10 went through? Just think about it. Sometimes we read these stories so often, we forget the emotions and pain that they were going through. They were real people with real lives, real spouses, with real children. Imagine them looking at their families and telling them, I'll never see you or touch you again. Sorry, I'll never see our kids grow up. This is it for me. I'm going to die on the outskirts of the city. Socially, they were rejected by society and by the religious leaders. It's been documented that a rabbi advocated throwing rocks at lepers to keep their distance and that he would never buy an egg from a street where a leopard had occupied. He was bragging how holy he was. He was saying, I never got close to a sick person. That was the mindset of a religious leader because they thought the lepers were being punished for being spiritually unclean. That is why the religious leaders were worried to be around tax collectors and the prostitutes. They were scared that their dirtiness would rub off on them. But Jesus was different and said, no, I will be with the leopards the tax collectors, and the prostitute because my mercy and grace will rub off on them. So Jesus goes and sees the lepers. He sees the predicament that they are in physically, socially, and spiritually. How they've been rejected by society. How they're outcasts. They're also experiencing a spiritual separation. They're being rejected by the religious leaders and could not even go to the temples. Can you imagine that? Listen, if you're going through a tough trial, God is our only refuge and hope. What if you were told the things that you're going through is so bad 
Not even God wants to see you right now. Can you imagine that? That God doesn't even want to be in your presence. And sadly, that is how the lepers felt. And the Bible speaks a lot about leprosy. Leprosy is almost mentioned 40 times in the Bible. And then I often wondered why. One reason, leprosy was common and prevalent back then. But another main reason is because we can relate to lepers more than we first realize. That we are hopeless without God. We are all dependent on Him. Leprosy is like the problem of sin. It starts small. Barely even noticeable at first. It's just a thought. Maybe a glance. It's just a flirt at work. It's just a night out with my friends. It's not a habit. It's just something I do on occasion. It's just a small spot. Don't make it into a big deal. But Satan knows and doesn't want you to know. Sin starts out small and will always spread. It gets bigger and bigger until it destroys you. Leprosy had no intent in being confined in an earlobe. The intent of leprosy is to devour everything. When we have a spiritual enemy, Satan has a job to steal, kill, and destroy. He's not going to stop with a small spot of sin. He's going to use that until it spreads and destroys you. Sin starts small, and it spreads and leads to numbness. Whenever you live in sin long enough, you become numb to the consequences. The Holy Spirit is telling you that maybe you shouldn't be going there. You shouldn't be thinking about that or doing that. You become numb to the nudging of the Holy Spirit. So you and I can relate to the leopards. The book of Ephesians tells us in chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. We have it up on the screen. And the Bible tells us, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, Satan, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among who we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Paul the apostle here is telling us that we were dead. We were following the spirit of the world who was Satan. We were prisoners of our own flesh. That we had no hope and nothing good was going for us. We were doomed. But, but, my favorite two words in the Bible... These two words can change everything. Verse 4 tells us, But God, but God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that in the coming ages, 
he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace, you have been saved through faith. Amen? So that is a condition you and I were in before we met Jesus. We were not just a little sick, but we were dead in our sins. We like to think that we need a little help and we need just some small correction. No, the Bible tells us that we were dead in our sins and we were separated from God himself. That we had no hope in this world. But now, that has changed because of Jesus, because of Christ. We can relate to the lepers so well. Because we too had an incurable disease that kept spreading and spreading called sin. Sin would kill all of us if Christ hadn't intervened for us. The story is not just about them, but about us and what God can do in our lives. So the lepers had a common predicament, a leprosy. They issued a common prayer. They find Jesus and they cried out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Their voices were lifted up. This passage is telling us that there are times in your life that you have to cry out to God just like the leopards. It's okay. He wants to hear from us, the Lord. Sometimes you might pray and tell God that I have some issues. But just like the lepers, there are times you just need to cry out, Jesus, I need you. From the depth of my heart, I must have you. I can't do this alone. I need you, Jesus. So in this passage, Jesus responds to the prayer, and he tells them, go and show yourself to the priest. And there are a couple of things off about this. According to the Old Testament law, if a person is claiming that they have been healed, the priest will go to them for an inspection. Does that make sense? Why would you risk the chance of a leper contaminating the entire village by going to the priest and getting more people sick? Notice, Jesus didn't heal them on the spot. Do you guys notice that? He didn't touch them on the head. He tells them, go and show yourself to the priest. If it was me, I would tell Jesus, um, I think you skipped a step. Heal me first, then I'll go and show myself to the priest now. I still have leprosy. They will kill me if I enter the city walls. Why would I go to the priest? But the text says that they were healed as they headed towards the priest. These guys had faith. They were obedient. Listen, check this out. The faith that moves mountains must first move you. Let me repeat that again. The faith that moves mountains must first move you. We say, God, you do the work. God, you do the miracle. Then I will go. But just like Moses crossing the Red Sea or Peter walking on water, the truth is that God was waiting for them to take the first step of faith. What if God is waiting for you to take the first step? 
What if you are one step away from a great blessing or a miracle? You're missing out because you're not taking that step. And if you don't, you might be missing out on a great, great blessing. So we learned so much from these lepers. They weren't healed until they began to obey and go. Finally, along the way, 10 people were healed. Only one come back and says, thank you. They all had the same predicament, the same tragedy, experienced the same level of anguish and pain in their lives. They all went to bed at night, not knowing if they'll see their families again. They all lost limbs. They all been through the same trials and they prayed the same prayer and received the same miracle. But only one turned around and said, thank you. Didn't Jesus ask, we're not 10 cleansed? Where are the nine? Where are the nine? Jesus notices the ungrateful. Giving thanks is a choice. So why did the one choose to give thanks to Jesus and the other nine did not? I believe we can see three main reasons from this passage. The first is that that one leopard had the correct perspective. You have to understand that everything that is good in your life is from Christ. All ten saw that they were better. They all saw the leprosy disappear and the spots were gone. Correct? But one saw in his heart that he was healed by God. Turned around and said thank you to Jesus. When we are ungrateful, we lack the proper perspective in our lives. I don't know about you, but there are many moments in my life that I think good things happen because of me. Maybe I work harder than other people. Maybe I'm smarter than the average bear. I don't know. Maybe I lived my life with integrity and made good decisions. But the truth is, every single good thing that happens is because God has been good to me. Amen? The truth is, I was dead in my trespasses, destined for wrath and separated from God. I had no hope, and every single good thing that had happened to me is because Jesus has shown me grace and mercy. I didn't deserve a single thing that I have ever received. There's nothing good in me. Every good thing is from God who gives it to me. If I have the strength to obey, it's because he gave me the strength to obey. If I made the right decision, it's because the Spirit, the Holy Spirit was guiding me. If you are an ungrateful person, you lack this perspective. You will say, look, look at what I've done. Proper perspective will make you into a grateful person. When you have the right mindset, you can't help but be grateful. Just like the one leopard realizing he's just been healed by God. And I want you guys to look back maybe 10 years ago, maybe five years ago, maybe five months ago, or even a month ago, and look at where God has brought you. You can't help but stop and turn around and say, thank you, Jesus. Amen? When you realize that your marriage was on the rocks and was going to end, 
But God in his might stepped in. You can't stop but to say thank you. When you realize the roof over your head is not about how hard you work, but how God gave it to you, you just can't help but say thank you, Lord. There's so many people around the world right now that don't have a place to sleep. And we have a place to sleep because God has been good to us. And when we sit down for our next meal, you can thank God for living in this country where we can have jobs to provide for our families, where we can have a Thanksgiving meal, where there's so many people that are starving throughout the world. Everything that we have, it's because God has been good to us. Proper perspective is the first step in choosing gratitude. And I have this thought too. I, I could just imagine if these 10 lepers were interviewed maybe 10 years later after the miracle. And I could see the nine. Hopefully they accept the Lord, but if they didn't, I think they would say that the greatest moment in their lives was when they were healed and how that changed their life. But I think the one would say, the greatest day of my life is when I met my healer, Jesus Christ. That's having the proper perspective. And second, is having proper priorities in your life. See, all 10 lepers were healed and they knew what God has done for them. They probably were thinking, well, I haven't seen my wife, my kids in a long time. I've not been to my village in years. I want to see my mom and my dad. I'll come back later and say thank you. But right now, my priority is enjoying this blessing. My priority is not giving thanks. How many times have God answered our prayers? And our priority is enjoying the blessing than giving thanks and praise to Jesus. How many times have we prayed for a relationship and God blesses it and we forget to thank God? How many times has God blessed us financially? And we get caught up celebrating and enjoying the blessing and we forget to say thank you. Sometimes we get so caught up in the blessing, we forget to thank the blesser. So that one leopard had the proper perspective, the proper priority, and finally he had the proper passion. The Bible tells us that the one leopard with a loud voice came back to give praise and fell on his face at Jesus' feet to worship Jesus as God, confirming his deity. Initially, all ten lepers called out to Jesus, didn't they? They cried out with a loud voice, have mercy on us. Now this one leper comes back and praises Jesus with a loud voice. So often, you and I, we shout out our prayers. We get loud and passionate when we need something. But we whisper 
our praises. Whenever we need something, we come to church every Sunday. We're seeking God with great passion. We're seeking God in his word, the Bible. We're praying with great intensity. And then when things are okay, our lives quiet down and our passion for him goes down too. But this one leopard was just as loud with his thanksgiving as he was with his cries. This man had a righteous passion for Christ. He knew, he understood who Jesus was. With the proper perspective, proper priority, and proper passion, here is the results of this. Jesus now says that not only are you healed, but you are made well. The word used in Greek is sozo. Translates to being saved. And if you look at a different translation, I love the King James Version where it says, you have been made whole. What's the difference between being healed and being made whole? Ungrateful people can never be whole people. If you're not grateful with what you have, you will never be grateful in what you want. You'll be on this hamster wheel pursuing the next best thing in life, the next stage of life, the next promotion, your retirement, your child's next accomplishments in sports or academics, the next answer prayer. Then you will say that I will be happy and have joy. Joy will always be a step ahead of you. You, you'll spend the entire, your entire life like a dog chasing its tail. You'll never get it. Ultimately, this is the bottom line. You can never be a whole person if you are not grateful for what Christ did for you on the cross. And this past, um, this past week, um, I want to give praise to the Lord and I want to thank Jesus. It's one of the it's one of the greatest moments of my life. And I want to share this uh, testimony because I want to I want to glorify God but also show the power of gratitude. And about a month ago, I felt the Lord nudging me. And at the time, um, uh, my dad and I, uh, we weren't really seeing eye to eye. Um, and it, it was pretty rocky, our relationship. And um, I remembered um, maybe a couple years prior, uh, Chet Yoshizaki told me that he wrote a letter to his father and how God blessed it. And when the Lord gave me that inspiration, I'm like, no, we're setos. We don't do that kind of stuff. You know, like we don't even give hugs. That's why I give awkward hugs, if you notice. Chiho, don't laugh, please. 
And you could ask Amy, I don't write like these romantic poems or anything, you know. But I know, you know, my dad, he loves me. You know, he just expresses it differently. And I love my dad to death. And, um, I don't want to do it. And, but this is how good God is. Um, he gave me an image where I was at my dad's funeral and I was giving a speech and I was thanking him. And that moment really convicted me where it's too late. It's too late. Why am I going to write a thank you letter when he's gone? He's still alive right now. Especially if he's not saved. What's the point? And so that moment really spoke to me and I really sat, and I sat down and I wrote the letter. And, um, and I highly encourage you, in my last sermon too, I highly encourage you to write down your experiences because I remember things that I forgot about for years. And one, one moment, or you know, these moments that really um, spoke to my heart and I didn't think about for a while was around my son's age, Jordan is nine or 10. My dad used to play catch with me, baseball, in the yard after work in the summertime. And now being a dad, I really appreciate that because I know that um, it wasn't easy for him. My dad was a gardener. He would work 13 hours in the hot baking sun, mowing lawns all day. But yet he gave me an hour of his time to play catch. And that really spoke to my heart where instead of me just focusing on maybe some of the negative attributes, I started to focus more on the great things that he's done in my life. And God started to use that to refine my heart. And I had the, I had the courage, the Holy Spirit gave me the courage, the words and the inspiration to actually share the letter to my dad. I just didn't like throw it to here, read it and run away. I actually read it to him. And I think the Lord really spoke to his heart. It softened his heart. And um, the Lord gave me the opportunity to share the gospel with my dad. And um, yeah, he, he, didn't, he didn't accept Christ that day. But the following week, we're watching our favorite football team, the Seattle Seahawks. <laughs> and um, and um, I wasn't pressing the gospel. And this is all the Lord. This is, this is God. Um, my dad told me that uh, he trusts me and that um, he wanted to become a Christian. Yeah. And it gets better. And then he said that he wants that Bible study with me every week. <laughs> I mean, that's incredible, right? And um, so last Sunday, we had um, our first Bible study. Yeah, we spent like two hours together. And um, yeah, he, that's when he accepted the Lord into his heart. And I just want to say thank you, Jesus. It's because of him all this is possible. And it's because of him, my dad is made whole now. And our relationship is made whole now as well too. That we have the confidence and joy 
knowing that no matter what happens in life, that we're always going to be together, that we'll see each other in heaven. So that's my encouragement to you, church family, is, is if you have someone in your heart that doesn't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, I keep telling you, let's continue to pray for these people. That's the most important thing that you could ever, ever do is prayer. But also, if you're in the Word and you're praying, and if God gives you an inspiration, and you might think it's crazy like the leopards walking to the priest or me writing a thank you letter to my dad, my encouragement to you is let's go for it. I think God is waiting for you to take that first step. And if you don't take that first step, you're going to be missing out on a great, great blessing. Just like the lepers. If they didn't take the first step, they would have died of leprosy. If I didn't take the first step, then I don't know. I don't know if my dad would have been saved right now. But my encouragement, church family, let us continue to pray. Let us continue to be obedient to God. Let's continue to take the first step and let's continue to give praise and glory to God. Amen? So this morning, I believe the best way to show our gratitude to Jesus is by worshiping him as Lord and Savior, acknowledging Jesus is our Lord and thanking him for everything that he's done for us and for him saving us on the cross. And ultimately, there's two choices in life. Either you're content in the world and you're going to be chasing after the next best thing or embracing Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And this morning, I want to give you an opportunity to accept Christ for the very first time or maybe recommit yourself to the Lord. So I want, I want, I want you guys to join me in prayer. And repeat this and make it your own. Dear Jesus, I believe that you are God's son. You died on the cross for us. You rose again three days later from the grave. I'm a sinner that needs you. Please forgive me of my sins from today on. I'm asking you into my life as my Lord and Savior. And with all heads bowed down and eyes closed, except for the pastors, please raise your hand if you prayed that prayer for the very first time. We want to know so that we can walk with you on this new journey.
Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity to preach. Thank you so much for speaking to us, Father God. Thank you for blessing our morning. You are a faithful God. You're so good to us. You're a God that does not need us, but desire to be with us because you tell us over and over in the Bible that you love us. You proved it by coming down from heaven and humbling yourself as a man by being mocked and beaten beyond recognition and dying for our sins on the cross and rose again three days later because you love us and you want to save us. So this morning, we praise you and we want to tell you, thank you for being our Lord and Savior. Thank you, Jesus. I pray that we will continue to have great gratitude with whatever we may possess, whatever you bless us with, knowing that you are the source of our blessing, that everything comes from you. We thank you so much. We love you so much. So Father God, we praise you. We give you all the glory and all the honor that you deserve. In Jesus' name, amen.